Here at Calvary Chapel Northeast, it's our goal to make disciples of Christ by exalting our God, equipping believers, and engaging in our community. Thanks for tuning in to this week's CCNE podcast. We're going to study from the book of Habakkuk here this morning. And uh, so that's one of the, they're considered minor prophets. I think sometimes that's, that's offensive, right? These poor guys are thinking minor at a word from the Lord, but uh, they were lesser, I suppose, in their influence and certainly in the size of the books. And so uh, we'll find Habakkuk right there between Nahum and Zephaniah. And uh, I trust that um, what the Lord has for us here this morning will be an encouragement to you. I certainly hope that it is. And as I've mentioned already, it's so good for us to be back together, albeit in, in uh, limited number here this morning, and do appreciate uh, the prayers um, from many of you for our family as COVID passed through the house once again. And uh, we're grateful that it seems these days symptoms are a bit more mild, and so the family is doing well. And let's continue if you would, to pray for our body. There are many that are dealing with illness right now, not just our body, of course, but our community. And, um, and even apart from the illness, we know that th- this time is just kind of wearing on people, right? And um, everything that accompanies it, all the stuff that we're just kind of dealing with right now, people are, I know are a little weary. Please keep Pastor Nick lifted up in prayer uh, as he, he was already enduring great physical discomfort and possible infection from kidney stones and went for surgery and then couldn't proceed with the surgery because he tested positive. And so that's just been a difficult thing for him and the family, for Christine. And uh, so lift them up. And, and again, just for our whole body. And, and here's the thing. Yeah, we, we pray for healing, right? And, and yes, we should. We should go to the Lord and, and we, should, we should pray for, for healing for the body. But we should also be praying that the Lord would have freedom, Freedom to, to work in our lives, freedom that comes from a surrendered people, a people who are willing to allow the Lord to work in our lives. Because if we understand our Bible rightly, what we then understand is that circumstances like these can be used by God to bring necessary transformation into our lives. But we need to be willing to allow that to happen. And, and so let's also be willing to see that God is in control that God is on the throne. And, and this is in large part what we're going to consider today as we look at the prophet Habakkuk. Now, next Sunday, we will begin our verse-by-verse study through First and Second Corinthians. And so we'll get back into a bit of a regular routine next week. But uh, today, as we continue to kind of kick off uh, this new year... And we're just nine days into the new year, right? Into 2022. I trust many of you are still seeking the Lord for aspects of what He wants to do in your lives in the coming months. And just nine days, right? Maybe some of your newly established routines, if you have sought to do so, are going well. Hope your Bible reading is going well. And then maybe there are some uh, resolutions, if you make those, that have already fallen off a little bit. Statistically speaking, nine days in, it happens, so don't be overwhelmed by guilt and shame if there's some things that have not yet kind of taken off. Um, but I think as we, as we do make our way, as we venture into this year, it's probably not lost on us this morning that here we are in the third calendar year of a pandemic. Our numbers are fewer this morning because of it. 
Maybe some of the more heavy things in life like this are weighing on you. As we considered during our Christmas Eve service, our waiting, our waiting for things to change, it's evidence that things are not yet as they should be. Sin and its effects are still part of our daily life. The new year hasn't changed that. A quick scroll of the news each morning certainly reinforces this. Amen? That's the reality of it. Violence, wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, sickness, disease, failures in leadership from the highest levels on down, compromise amongst professing believers. We are often faced with, on a daily basis, such a dichotomy of experiences, aren't we? A contrast from those experiences that bring with them such overwhelming joy that we continue to experience. God's still faithful. God does wonderful things in our lives. But often those things are interrupted by sin and and darkness, loss, disappointment. Life can be a real emotional roller coaster, can't it? This past week, many saw the news of Ray Bentley's passing, Pastor Ray Bentley. Ray was the founder of Maranatha Chapel. It's a Calvary Chapel in San Diego. Ray served faithfully there for decades. He was here one moment and gone the next. He was healthy. He was getting older in years, but, but I mean, you see pictures of him. He looks like a healthy young man. But COVID comes and just like that, he's gone. Pray for Zach Adams this morning. Some of you know Zach familiar with him. He's the pastor of Calvary 316 outside of Atlanta, Georgia. He's the eldest son of Pastor Sandy Adams in Stone Mountain, Georgia. Zach's been on a ventilator since the beginning of the week, last Monday, with COVID pneumonia. His fellowship and certainly the fellowship there at Stone Mountain are crying out in prayer for him, interceding, supplicating. Let's do the same. These are the things that are around us. These are the things we're being confronted with on a daily basis. And I'm sure there's a host of burdens that are represented even amongst a few of us here this morning. There's burdens on our hearts. These things we see around us. Sometimes it causes us to cry out to God, maybe even in a sense of despair. Do you ever feel like asking, why, Lord? Or, Lord, how much more? I was talking with a pastor friend earlier this week who's gone through trial after trial after trial, and he said these words, and, and it wasn't a sense necessarily of, of, of losing his faith, but just a sense of, Lord, what else? What else do I need to give you, Lord? Have you ever felt like God was absent? Have you ever struggled to make sense of the seeming disconnect between God's holy nature and his apparent tolerance of corruption and wickedness? Do you wonder sometimes how long God will allow violence, evil, and injustice to continue? Those aren't necessarily the questions that often get an amen on a Sunday morning. But I suspect if you're like me and your heart, you're thinking, yeah, I've thought that a time or two. And if so, you are not alone. This morning, we're going to consider a fairly obscure man in biblical history, but a man who was burdened, a man who sought to ask some questions of God, some of these very questions. That man is Habakkuk. He was the last of the minor prophets to preach in the southern kingdom of Judah before its fall to Babylon under the leadership of Nebuchadnezzar. 
Now, we don't know much at all about Habakkuk, but based on what we read in these three short chapters of this book, we can ascertain that he was writing in the early 600 BCs, a little ways before the invasion of Babylon. And what we see in this book is a man living in a pretty dark time. A man who was burdened by a lot of things that were going on around him. And because of that, his faith was struggling a little. Habakkuk is a unique prophetic book because it is the only one that doesn't focus on God's call of the prophet into ministry and then sort of an overview of that ministry, but rather with Habakkuk initiating a conversation with God. Here we have a book where a man goes to God and says, God, I have some questions. He's initiating a conversation with God over the trouble that he sees And so it's about a man who cries out to God and asks, in effect, God, what are you doing? But as he asks this question, we see also that Habakkuk is ready and willing to listen. As he asks God a question, he has an expectation that God will answer and give him insight and and to hear from God. And so so gives us a bit of a pattern for how to seek God in the midst of difficult times. And what we will see is that he is a man who goes from a place of wrestling with God to worshiping God. And that's what I would title the message this morning, from wrestling to worship. And so we'll see how in the beginning of the book, he's a man in the valley, but in the end, he's a man on the mountain. And we'll look at exactly how he gets there. So for us, it's my prayer As much as I may have in some way sort of depressed you here already this morning, as I've drawn our attention to some of the negativity around us, that we would be a people who would follow this pattern. That we too, if you're here today and you're wrestling a little bit with what God is doing or a sense of maybe what God isn't doing, wondering where God is, people who today would go from a place of wrestling to a place of worship. So let's jump right in here in the beginning in chapter 1, verse 1. Some of these sections we'll go through rather quickly here this morning. We read here, verse 1, the burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out to you violence and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Therefore, the law is powerless and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, perverse judgment proceeds. Here in these four verses, we have described for us what the prophet saw. What it was that Habakkuk was troubled by. I wonder if we can relate Let me read it to you from the New Living Translation. He says, How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere I cry. The word there, I cry, in the the literal language means scream. He said, But you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The laws become paralyzed. There's no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous so that justice has become this perverted thing. Can you relate to that this morning? 
You might think, is Habakkuk talking about the southern kingdom of Judah? Or is he talking about America today? The prophet's burden reads a bit like our evening news. And like Habakkuk, you may be saying, Lord, can't you see what's happening? You may be asking, Lord, when's this going to end? Yet this is the first principle or lesson that Habakkuk demonstrates for us this morning. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. And that is this, Habakkuk brings his burden to the Lord. He brings his burden to the Lord. That's one of the first fundamental steps that I think we so often fail to do. We want to bring a burden to everybody else. We got to practice bringing our burden to the Lord. Friends, I often say God is bigger than our questions. He can handle it. Moreover, he knows our hearts and he knows our minds. So don't think you're keeping anything from him. You can't in secret think, man, I wonder what God's doing. He knows that. So be willing to say, Lord, I am struggling. I'm struggling with this. But like Habakkuk, be willing to hear from him. And we'll see that play out in a moment. Because here's the other awesome thing is that we serve a God who is working is always working, and who answers. And that's exactly how God responds. Verse 5, look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told you. This is God's response to the prophet. Here in verse 5, God responds and effectively says, Habakkuk, don't you accuse me of not working. Look around you. I am doing and am going to do a great work. But it may not be what you think it should be or what you thought it was going to be. And so often that is our problem. It's our problem when we are burdened with something. I think so often God doesn't tell us his plans for the future because we can't handle what his plans are. We can't deal with it. He only he gives us little pieces at a time because that's all that we can handle. Because we think, God, I want to know what you're doing, what you're going to do, but we're so limited in our perspective that we can't grasp what a God who is eternal, who is thinking eternally and thinking in terms of purposes far beyond ours, in ways far beyond ours, we can't make sense of it when we get it all in one shot. So he gives it to us a little bit at a time. Because you got to think, we can't comprehend eternity. As much as we try, we can't quite grasp eternity. But if we serve a God who is the beginning and the end, who has a perspective of eternity, then the things that he's doing make absolute perfect sense within the perspective of eternity. But we see it and we go, oh, I wouldn't do that. Lord, I wouldn't do it that way. Because we have the incredible ability to think like 12 hours ahead. We try to plan like 10 years ahead, right? But, But when it comes back to it, we're just like, I got a few hours. And, and, and to some degree, that's a biblical concept too. Jesus himself says sufficient for the day is the trouble thereof. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. So don't feel bad if you struggle sometimes to exist beyond tomorrow because he wants you focused on today. And he'll give you what you need and the insight that you need for today. And so God says to Habakkuk, I will work. But even if I told you, you would struggle to believe it. And, and this doesn't mean, oh, because, because you'd be like, no way, this is so cool, I can't hardly believe it. But what he's really saying here is, when I tell you what's going to happen, you're going to really struggle to believe that this is really the, the right plan. You're going to say, this doesn't make sense. 
No, Lord, that's, that's not the way I would do it. That's, that's not what I was asking for. When, when God says here you would struggle to believe it, it seems to me it's less a, a question of will you believe it and more a question of will you like it? So God gives Habakkuk, God does here, he gives Habakkuk some insight into his plans. Habakkuk has asked, God, when are you going to deal with the injustice and the violence and the sin? And God says, how? In verses 6 through 11. He says, for indeed, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that's another term for Babylonians, a bitter and hasty nation which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity proceed from themselves. Their horses also are swifter than leopards and more fierce than evening wolves. Their chargers charge ahead. Their cavalry comes from afar. They fly as the eagle that hastens to eat. They all come for violence. Their faces are set like the east wind. They gather captives like sand. They scoff at kings. Princes are scorned by them. They deride every stronghold, for they heap up earth and mounds and seize it. And then his mind changes, and he transgresses. He commits offense, ascribing this power to his God. The Lord says a lot to Habakkuk here. And within it is the theme that these are not good people. What God says here is, Habakkuk, I am dealing with it. What I am doing is raising up Babylon to come and march on Judah. I'm going to use them to bring judgment. This violent, greedy, pagan people who are going to attribute their victory to their pagan idols, they're going to come and carry you off into captivity. So then Habakkuk, who earlier is asking, Lord, how long are you going to allow all of this to continue? Is not thinking, Lord, how he's, he's now thinking rather, Lord, how can you possibly let this happen? Verse 12, are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have appointed them for judgment. O rock, you have marked them for correction. You are of pure eyes and to behold evil and cannot look on wickedness. Why do you look on those who deal treacherously and hold your tongue when the wicked devours a person more righteous than he? Why do you make men like fish of the sea, like creeping things that have no ruler over them? They take up all of them with a hook. They catch them in their net and gather them in their dragnet. Therefore, they rejoice and are glad. Therefore, they sacrifice to their net and burn incense to their dragnet. Because by them, their share is sumptuous and their food plentiful. Shall they therefore empty their net and continue to slay nations without pity? What is Habakkuk saying? He's saying, Lord... You can't judge your people Israel with someone or by someone who is worse than we are. God, this can't be the way. Yes, I wanted you to act, but, but can't you do it differently? I wonder, over the last, let's say, decade, have pastors in pulpits and people in pews cried out, how long, Lord, are you going to let this violence and wickedness and idolatry of our country continue? Have we said, Lord, complacency has crept into the church? The church seems alive in so many ways, but it's dead. And have we prayed, Lord, bring revival to this nation once again. Do what's necessary, Lord, to draw your people back. Have we prayed that? Have you heard people say that? The answer is yes, you have. And what if God has said, I know, I see it, 
I'm working. And I am going to raise up leaders who are greedy, who are out for themselves to bring destruction upon this nation. I'm going to allow a pandemic that is going to turn things upside down. It's going to topple idols. It's going to bring discomfort. It's going to bring challenge to your sense of security. Are we then similarly saying, Lord, this can't be the way you answered our prayers. This, it's got to be something different. No, you were just supposed to bring some happy revival. Just a bunch of people saying, I want Jesus but with economic prosperity and a sense of peace and safety and comfort. That's what we wanted, Lord. You see, I trust that we can relate to Habakkuk here, maybe more than we thought we would. But here's the thing, what we see next from Habakkuk is so important, and it's a pattern that we must be willing to follow. You see, at this point, as exercised as Habakkuk may be, he recognizes his thinking must be off. He's accountable enough here to go, I might have this wrong. <laughs> and so he's determined then to hear from the Lord. And this gives us our second lesson for the morning. The first is bring your burdens to God. And the second, determine to hear from God. What does that mean? And how do we do it? Chapter 2, verse 1, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart, and watch to see what he will say to me, and what I will answer when I am corrected. Habakkuk, being a prophet of Judah, would have had a location, whether on the wall or a watchtower, to be able to keep watch over the city. This is why Habakkuk is able to say, Lord, why do I see such violence before me? He has a perspective of looking out over the city and seeing its sinfulness. And so he would use this to keep an eye on the people and to keep an eye on the threats. And, and Habakkuk then would have had a place to gain necessary perspective away from the people and certainly from the busyness and the limited perspective of that of the street level Judah. Further, Habakkuk set out not with a question of maybe if I go, God will say something to me. Maybe God will speak. But rather, he went with determination saying, I'm going to go, I'm going to get away, I'm going to get some perspective, and I will hear from the Lord. There is in this a principle for us when we want to hear from God. I want you to write these down as subpoints of point number two. Point number two, again, being to determine to hear from God. You could put a little A underneath that and, and write, get away, get away. Go someplace quiet where you can hear. Go to a place that gives you perspective. Get up on the wall, as it were. Friends, we don't often seek these places. We don't, we don't get away from the noise. We say we're getting away. Many of you say you're getting into a quiet place. And, and you, you got this right here with you. And you're, and you're seeking the Lord. But as you're seeking the Lord, ding, ding. Yeah. And, and, and this is what goes on the whole time. Or you say, you know, I've got these, I just got, I got some, some ear thingies over the weekend. It's been good for studying at home when the whole house is together, you know, cause you got this COVID thing going on. It's like, I got to tune some things out, you know, but that doesn't count. <laughs> but it's worship music. No, <laughs> it's 
Stop it. Quiet. Quietness. No screen in front of your face, no calls, texts, music coming through. You know, your morning time, right? You get your morning devotion time. And, and this is great. Listen, I'm not knocking the morning devotion time. It's how mine looks. You, you, you sit down in the kitchen or the dining room or wherever it is, right? But, but all of a sudden, what you're surrounded by stuff that you're like, oh, I got to do that. Suddenly, your quiet time in the morning, there's like a separate list, right? Oh, I just noticed this. I got to do this. Maybe you didn't get up early enough. And so all of a sudden, the day starts happening. Cars start driving by. Kids are stirring. You're like, oh, I know that sound. We need to get away from the distraction and the noise and let her be determined to hear from the Lord. Determine. Habakkuk didn't say, I'll see if you will answer me. No, he said, he will say to me. He said, what he will answer me. You go with confidence. Is this a name it and claim it sort of thing? No, it's going with the confidence that God is who he says he is. Expect to hear from him. And the third point then here, let her see, write it down. You know, one of the ways that you communicate what you are expect, or excuse me, that you are expecting to hear from him, it may sound silly, but you have something to write with. You've got a pen and paper. You're going into your quiet time with the Lord and you've got a notebook and a pen and you're saying, I'm ready, Lord. Again, that may sound silly, but it's true. Look, here this morning, and I'm not trying to call anybody out. Do you come to gatherings expecting to hear from the Lord? As I said to you here this morning, write this down. You're like, shoot, I don't have anything to write it down with. It's okay, praise God. Our book of the month is why grace changes everything, right? <laughs> come back next month, next week with a pen and paper. And I'm serious, you may be feeling a little bit like, well, I'm not, I'm not a note taker. Okay, look, I'm not trying to dictate your entire style, but there's a principle here. Are you ready to hear from the Lord? When I, go into a, when I go into a meeting with somebody, when I meet with a mentor or I meet with a counselor, because I do, it, it's an offense if I come with nothing, no ability to write anything down. What am I communicating? You're going to say a lot of things to me, but I don't really care. I've got a really good memory. No, I don't. I still think I've got a really good memory, but it's proving me wrong over and over again. Take that notebook, take that journal in your quiet time. Before you read, do you pray? Do you pray, Lord, show me, speak to me? Do you bring those burdens to him and pray, honestly, Lord, I'm struggling here. Would you speak to me about this area in my life? And then you've you got your pen and paper ready to go. And you say, Lord, show me. And you begin to, to read and, and you're diligent in it. You're determined in it. And, and, and the Holy Spirit begins to move and work because you've given him time and it's quiet and you don't have other distractions. And you begin to go, oh, God, that's for me. You're speaking to me. There are some of you that maybe you don't do this. You, you haven't implemented this routine. You don't have this discipline. And chances are, if that's you, you're also saying, I don't know if I'm really hearing anything from the Lord. Show him that you're serious and you're ready to hear. Verse two, then the Lord answered me and said, and so seeing here that Habakkuk was determined to hear from him, that he was in the right place and space to hear, he was ready. God says, write the vision. Make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it for the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. The Lord tells Habakkuk, write this down. And he, and he essentially says, write it down so that others may understand and wait for it. 
We know that Habakkuk writing it down was for our benefit as well, that we could take it, that we could read it here this morning and and apply it to our lives and and run with it. He says, write it so that others may understand and and may wait for it, to know that, that his word will come to pass. Do we believe that? That his word is true. That as he speaks to us through his word, reminds us of his promises that yes, it's true. And that, yes, sometimes it requires patience. Yes, sometimes we must wait, but we we wait in confidence. Because here, as God continues in verse 4, he says, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him. And so here he's saying, he's saying, look, the wicked won't prosper forever. The prideful, they will fall. The circumstances that I will use to accomplish this work, don't get all caught up in it. You don't have to worry about all this other stuff. It's as if God was also saying to us here this morning, look, all this stuff that's going on in our country right now, all all this craziness that you find yourself just going, whoa, this is ridiculous. Or yes, I'd be lying to you if I didn't hear this morning go, Lord COVID, I am done, done with it. But it's as if God is saying, look, it's going to pass. The things that I use to bring about change and transformation. Don't get caught up in all that other stuff. You just be focused on what I'm doing in you. As he says, but the just shall live by his faith. This is really what God's communicating here to Habakkuk. He's saying Habakkuk, the proud, he's in a bad way. Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon, all this stuff. Don't don't get caught up in all of that. Habakkuk, you're going to live by faith. In some respects, it could be as if the Lord here this morning was saying to you, you insert your name into that and say, you're going to live by faith. You don't worry about these other people. You live by faith. This means though, by the way, that you won't always have the answers to all your questions. You may not always know or fully understand what God is doing, but you're going to trust him and you're going to follow him. And that's point number three for us this morning, a simple but profound point. Trust in God. Trust him. Why? Because he says, I'm faithful. But here's, here's an, an, an incredible truth. And this, this speaks right to this aspect of grace. Because so often we think of grace as sort of the context that I used a moment ago. Like, hey, don't worry. Don't feel bad. There's grace for that. It covers you, right? But there's a bigger aspect of grace. And that is that as you trust in God, as you live by faith. That means then that he is going to use things in your life to change you and conform you into his image. Romans 8, 28 through 30. We've considered it all a handful of times over these last several months. It's God saying, I'm going to work all things together for good in your life. Give to me an example in history where someone improved, grew, developed into someone greater through complacency and comfort. Find me a book out there that, you know, a New York Times bestseller leadership book that says, here's how to never leave your sofa, be as lazy as can be, but awesome. It doesn't exist. Any of these leadership books, anybody who has a story to tell, a testimony to share, a leadership journey to take you on is going to talk to you about the trials and the hardships and the difficulties and how they overcame it. And this is for us then this morning to go, wow, God, look at all these things around us. But yeah, you're communicating to us. Look, I'm in control. Don't worry about this stuff. 
Walk by faith. And as you do, as you trust me, know that all these things in your life, I'm going to use them to change you, to mold you, to shape you. It's a concept that I don't fully understand, but what Romans 8 makes clear to us is that God is preparing us for glory. He's using this life, changing us and shaping us for his glory, preparing us for glory, getting us ready for heaven, getting us ready for that eternity that we can't really even begin to comprehend. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, this is new living again, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Do you want to get there? If that's point Z, do you want to get to point Z? We should say, yes, yes, Lord, I want to get there. Well, how's he going to get you there? By you allowing him to work in your life in all circumstances. Trusting him. Now, the Lord continues from here all the way through verse 20 at the end of the chapter, at the end of chapter 2, to give insight into the fall of Babylon. So in God's kindness to Habakkuk here, he says, look, I'm going to use them as a tool for judgment. But not just that, God's going to do a miraculous work through their experience in Babylon. The way he's going to move amongst his people, the way he's going to set the stage for the gospel to go forth to the ends of the earth, the fact that he's going to work in Nebuchadnezzar's life. And so we can also see that indeed God is using all things for good because he takes this terrible thing that happens to Judah and he works miraculous things there in Babylon. And then eventually stirs the heart of the king to send them back and to give them the money they need to rebuild it all. That's crazy. But that's the kind of God that we serve. A God who is faithful. A God who says, look, I can see further out than you can. Are you going to trust me? And so we don't have time today to go through every one of these verses. I'll summarize for you here for a moment. And, and, and again, all those verses all the way through 20, what God essentially communicates here is he, he communicates four woes kind of on Babylon. And he really says, woe to the greedy. He says, Babylon, they're greedy. They're going to pursue after things and they're never going to find contentment. He says, woe, woe to the violent. The, the thirst for blood is going to be the end of them. He says, woe to the drunk and woe to the idolatrous. And so you can kind of get a sense of his characterization of Babylon and the fact that, yes, I'm using them as part of my plan, but don't, but don't worry, this is all going to pass. And then sprinkled within that is verses 14 and 20. And you guys can do your homework this week. You can go back and do some reading here. In verses 14 and 20, God sprinkles in here these reminders that in verse 14, the whole earth is filled with his glory and will continue to be. And then verse 20, he says, but I'm, and I'm on the throne. Look at that in verse 20. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Do you know that that's a truth for us to consider here this morning? No matter what it is that you're facing, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're thinking about, no matter what may be coming in the week ahead, God says, I'm on the throne. So here God helps Habakkuk to see that even though circumstances seem difficult, times seem dark, and even though there is some hardship that is still coming, God's on the throne. God knows and he will use these circumstances to accomplish his purposes, to achieve his plan. So Habakkuk, and so we are called to live by faith. 
So this prophet who began in a place of wrestling, moved to a place of, of watching and waiting, and now begins to worship. In chapter 3, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet on Shignoth. O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Timon, the Holy One, from Mount Paran, Selah. His glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. He had rays flashing from his hand and there his power was hidden. Before him went pestilence and fever followed at his feet. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and startled the nations and the everlasting mountains were scattered. The perpetual hills bowed. His ways are everlasting. I saw the tents of Cushan in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian trembled. O Lord, were you displeased with the rivers? Was your anger against the rivers? Was your wrath against the sea that you rode on your horses, your chariots of salvation? Your bow was made quite ready. Oaths were sworn over your arrows, Selah. You divided the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and trembled. The overflowing of the water passed by. The deep uttered its voice and lifted its hands on high. Sun and moon stood still in their habitation. At the light of your arrows they went. At the shining of your glittering spear. You marched through the land in indignation. You trampled the nations in anger. You went forth for the salvation of your people. For salvation with your anointed. You struck the head from the house of the wicked by laying bare from foundation to neck. You thrust through with his own arrows the head of his villages. They came out like a whirlwind to scatter me. Their rejoicing was like feasting on the poor in secret. You walked through the sea with your horses, through the heap of great waters. When I heard, my body trembled. My lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered my bones, and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he comes up to the people, he will invade them with his troops. I wanted to read through all of that so we can get a sense of, of what Habakkuk was communicating here. And there's some debate over this passage. Is Habakkuk referring to what God has done in the past? Clearly, if you heard it in there, borrowing language from Sinai and the Exodus or the battles there in Joshua when the sun stood still. Or is Habakkuk referring to what God will do at a future day? And I would say it's both. It's both. That's what God's word does for us. Listen, as you pick up God's word, you have the incredible ability to look through a supernatural text, a book that's living and active, and you can look back on what God has done throughout history. You can see the examples of his faithfulness. Eyewitness testimony. We don't just believe in something that's spiritual. Yes, it is spiritual, but we believe in something that was testified. The very books that we read speak of it. They say, I wrote this, that I might testify of the things which happened, the things we saw. We don't believe in something that's just so far off and it just kind of makes me feel good. No, it happened. And so we can read it and we can look back and we say, God, you did this. But we can also then look forward and say, God, you're going to do this. You're going to. This is what God's word does for us. And so our fourth and final principle this morning is this. As you walk by faith, draw faith from remembering what God has done and considering what he is going to do. Draw faith from remembering what God has done and considering what he is going to do. As we'll see then, both in the life of Habakkuk, but then in our own, is that even when the circumstances look bleak, we can praise him. Habakkuk describes a vision then of what will come in the invasion of Judah and will close on this. Verse 17, 
Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. What Habakkuk is describing here is he's saying, this is what it's going to be like. When the Babylonians come and invade, this is what it's going to be like. No blossoms on the trees, no fruit on the vines, no food, no herd in the stalls. Verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. He will make me walk on my high hills to the chief musician with my stringed instruments. You know, it's an interesting verse that it closes on there. I said, this is a man who went from wrestling to worship. Why do you think he said to the chief musician with my stringed instruments? Because Habakkuk was singing. Habakkuk was worshiping. Even though he said, look, it's going to get real out there. It is going to get hard. But God has shown me that he is faithful. He considers the deer that runs there on the mountains. And if you've ever been to Israel, or if you watch videos there, you see some things that run through the hills. You see things that run on the cliffs, and you're like, that thing is going to fall and die. It's crazy. These animals that just run along the sides of the cliffs. Look it up. I'm tr- uh, seriously, it's quite impressive. And he's picturing these things. And he's saying, God, you're going to do that for me. I'm going to be in a precarious situation, but Lord, you're going to keep my feet. You're going to keep me from falling. And guys, I would submit to you this morning, do we serve a different God today? No. So no matter what is going on out there, no matter what wave of COVID comes next, by golly, we have the the ability, we have the exhortation to walk by faith, to trust him, and to say, Lord, if it gets even worse, you'll keep us. You'll work. You'll sustain us. We will joy in the God of our salvation. I want to challenge all of you with something as we close. This should be a regular habit, but I'm asking you to commit to it here in the short term. Not just for you as an individual, but for us as a church body. Would you follow Habakkuk's lead? Would you take your burdens to the Lord? And would you determine to hear from him? Would you commit to getting away Get up on the wall, a place with perspective. If you're like, hey, Pastor Brennan just told us to book a trip. Well, if you need permission, sure, go for it. Figure out where you need to go to get to a quiet place. And it doesn't have to be grandiose. Get a pass to Sesqui. Sit in the woods for a day. Seriously, that sounds funny to some of you. are like, that's not my place. Okay. But would you, would you go expecting to hear from him? as to what he wants from you and to do in you and and then how that will become a part of what he wants to do with our body as a whole. And I would love to, you don't have to do this, but I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to know what's the Lord showing you because I'm doing that right now for for our whole fellowship, for me, but for for our church. Seeking the Lord in that way, Lord, what do you have for us? And he's showing me some things. He's answering. Trust me, I'm writing it down. And so some of this hopefully is going to come through in, in Sundays from now. 
And so be willing to share some of those things. And, and for us, as we do this, to ask the Lord to remind us of his faithful work throughout history and the promises of what he's going to do. And, and then an appreciation of his sovereignty that we could be a people that joy in the God of our salvation that say, everything is okay. God's got us. He's at work. And I'll tell you what, our world, and that is heavy upon me, if you were here Wednesday night, you know it was a great night. If you didn't see Wednesday night, watch it online. Our 10th hour grads did a fantastic job of presenting a, a refresher on biblical evangelism. It's heavy on my heart, guys, what our body needs to do in reaching the lost in our community. Guys, we've got to do this with greater fervor, with greater intensity. There are so many people right now that need that sense of, isn't it not a wonderful thing when somebody comes into your life and they've got a sense of just everything's going to be okay? And you trust them and you know them and you're like, thank you, I needed that. Our world right now needs to know that everything can be okay. And we've got the opportunity to deliver that message. And so let's seek the Lord in that way together. I'd ask you to do that here through the end of this month. Make January a month where you're seeking the Lord. Again, this should be an ongoing habit, but let's commit to it for this period of time and to say, we're going to go and we're going to expect to hear from the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks, Lord, for our time together here this morning. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Lord, there's so much more, certainly, that we could glean from this text. Lord, take what we've considered here this morning, and I pray by your spirit, and work it down into our hearts. Cause us to be a people, Lord, who seek you, who trust you, who live by faith. A people who, with expectancy, Lord, look to hear from you. Give us an appreciation, Lord, for your sovereignty, your control over all things and over our lives, Lord, that we could trust in that and not the craziness, Lord, that we see in our world. Do this work in us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Here at CCNE, there are so many events happening throughout the week, so make sure you're subscribed to the weekly e-bulletin so you can be fully informed of all that we're doing. For more info, or if there are any prayer requests you'd like to share with us, be sure to visit us at ccnortheast.org.